0: This week, Rev. Mendy looks at the idea that all the choices we make in our lives are creating our experience of life and that we do indeed reap what we sow. Hmm. Take a nice deep breath in and just let that breath out and let go of anything else that you might still be holding on, onto as we get ready to explore chapter 3 and the third of Deepak's 7 Spiritual Laws of Success. This book was written, as some of you are aware, in 1994. It's now one of almost or more than 80 books that Deepak has written. I don't know how that man writes so much, and so many of them have appeared on the New York Times bestseller list. Some people have said that this book is like a more modern version of Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And that book, Think and Grow Rich, was really about money. Deepak's book really, I think, goes beyond money to helping us to um, experience a fuller experience of wealth and to realize a truer experience, a truer realization of success. That it isn't about money and it isn't about success in the way that much of society defines success. wealth, as we've talked about over the last number of weeks, is really a feeling and experience of well-being. And that success is about experiencing expanded states of joy and happiness in the pursuit of goals that are worthy of our soul. And all of that means looking within and really getting clear on what is it that makes your heart sing? What is it that helps you to come alive? What is it that you define as success? Because unless we know what that is, then no matter what path we take, we're never going to get to that experience. And so what is it that makes your heart come alive? Where is it that your soul resonates? And when you know that, then these principles help us to experience the journey toward the realization of that with a sense of joy, with a sense of delight, with a sense of curiosity, rather than the way many people approach the outer evidence of success, with so much stress and so much hard work only to get there and feel exhausted or having lost who and what they really are from the inside. Today we are exploring the law of karma. The law of karma. Now this one brings up a lot of questions for a lot of people. Now it doesn't seem like we have a challenge with this idea of karma when everything is going well. We don't have a problem with this idea of like begets like kind or for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. We we don't have a challenge with that when things are going well in our lives. But when things aren't going well, sometimes we are wanting to look for a loophole and, and think, no, this this karma thing can't really be true, or we sometimes have a challenge with karma for the very same reason that many of us chuckled when I wrote that. When I read that last quote, dear karma, I have a list of people you missed. What's that about? What's that about? I think what that's about for us is looking at the um, what seems to be the reality that sometimes people do awful and terrible things, and yet. Externally, their life seems to work okay. And there's something in us that just doesn't like that, right? Something in us, especially when we hear about a teaching, the law of karma, that says, but wait a minute, it just can't be. And so that's why we chuckle when we hear that phrase. Dear karma, I have a list of people that you've forgotten. It's as if we're trying to play God, as if we're trying to... to. Um, right the wrongs. And yet, what's important for us to realize is that, especially when we're looking at the effects of another person's life, we can never really know what's going on inside of them, can we? We really can't. And I think on so many, many levels, and in so many ways, this is why our master teacher Jesus said, don't judge according to. To appearances. They can be so very deceiving. So, having set that aside now that you and I are not about to try to play God with in terms of karma as it plays out in other people's lives, let us look at what does this mean for us. Deepak says this is one of the seven spiritual laws of success, and so if we are wanting to experience greater success in our lives and wanting to do that from um, within our spiritual practice, then what does this law of karma mean? Swami Vivekananda, who was an Indian philosopher, he introduced a lot of the Indian philosophies to, to the West, wrote, karma is the eternal assertion of human freedom Our thoughts, our words, and deeds are the threads of the net which we throw around ourselves. That's quite powerful in its imagery, isn't it? Let me read it again. Karma is the eternal assertion of human freedom. We say that we are given free choice, free will. Karma is the eternal assertion of human freedom. Our thoughts Our words and deeds are the threads of the net which we throw around ourselves." It's that last phrase that is so image-rich to me, the thread of the nets we throw around ourselves. So pause for just a moment and reflect, if you will, on the predominance of your thoughts, your words, your actions. If you were to give them a color, if you were to give them a feeling, what would that be? Would it be bright and beautiful and lovely? Would it be dark and restrictive and constrictive and fearful? Vivekananda said, these are the threads, our thoughts, our words and our deeds are the threads of the net we, th- we throw around ourselves. And so is that a net? that we are throwing around ourselves, that it's like a beautiful garment that we would be proud and delighted to wear throughout our life journey? Or is it something else? And either way, either way, whether it is something beautiful that we would love to wear and show the world or something that we don't like very much, either way, it is the principle of karma at work in it. Chopra says this, karma is both action and consequence. Both action and consequence. Both action and consequence of that action. It is cause and effect simultaneously. Because every action generates a force of energy that returns to us in like kind. There's nothing unfamiliar about the law of karma. Everyone has heard the expression, what you sow is what you reap. Obviously, if we want to create, create happiness in our lives, we must learn to sow the seeds of happiness. Therefore, karma implies the action of conscious choice-making. Karma implies the action of conscious choice-making. That's a really important idea, conscious choice-making. You see, we are effectively, essentially, infinite choice-makers. We are infinite choice makers. Some choices we make consciously, and a lot of choices we make how? Unconsciously. Which ones do you think are more beneficial? The choices that we make consciously, where we are exerting our free will, where we are aware of what it is that we are choosing to think or say or do. We could say it another way. We could say that our life is really a reflection of the choices that we have made up to this moment in time. Your life, my life, is a reflection of the choices that we have made up to this moment in time. And those choices are the ones that we have made both consciously and unconsciously. For you see, unconscious choices are still choices. Unconscious choices are still choices. We always have a choice. We always have a choice. Let me, say, let me ask you to say that with me. We always have a choice. Can you think back to a recent time where you felt as if you didn't have a choice? I'm not going to ask you to share it, but think about it. Where you thought you didn't have a choice. I'm going to challenge you to think deeper and to look for the choice that you did, did have, even if you didn't make that choice. The reality is we always, 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 always have a choice. It does not mean that we are always exercising that choice consciously, nor does it mean that we are always exercising that choice wisely. But we live in a field of infinite potential as infinite choice makers. If I were to insult you, you would likely make the choice to feel offended. If I were to compliment you, you would likely make the choice to feel happy or flattered or acknowledged. Now, you might say, that's not a choice but is it? Absolutely, it's a choice. You see, one of the other challenges we have about this power of choice-making is some of the choices we make are are almost, they seem instantaneous, don't they? It's almost as if there's a knee-jerk reaction. How many of you remember the very first time you went to the doctor's office? Maybe you were a child and they had you sitting on that, that little exam table, crossing your, or I guess it's uncrossing your legs, and the doctor hits your knee with that little rubber mallet. And what happens to your leg? Automatically goes up. And as a kid, you probably thought, boy, that's kind of weird, or that's kind of neat. Automatic, right? Sometimes it seems as if we're not making a choice because our response or reaction seems to be automatic. Don't ever let that fool you into thinking that it still is not a choice. It absolutely is a choice. Let me read another statement to you of Chopra's and see if you agree with this. He writes, We have become bundles of conditioned reflexes that are constantly being triggered by people and circumstances into predictable outcomes of behavior. Would you agree with that? It's probably easier to agree with that as it applies to somebody else than as it applies to us. But I think he's absolutely right. We've become bundles of conditioned reflexes that are constantly being triggered by people and circumstances into predictable outcomes of behavior. It might be interesting for the next week to observe our predictable outcomes of behavior. And notice I said our not your neighbor's predictable outcomes of behavior, but what are some of your predictable outcomes of behavior? Where do you respond in what seems to be an automatic reflex? And is it working for you? Is it helping you to move further along your, in your journey toward whatever you define as success? Is it working for you? Or do you need to step back and witness more carefully and consciously the choices that you are making? Because the moment we step back, the moment we choose to operate with greater awareness and consciousness, we will begin to make better choices. We will begin to free ourselves from the negativity of negative kinds of actions that we put into the universe that then come back to us via this law of karma, via this law of sowing and, and reaping. Chopra also teaches that one of the ways we can really get in touch with this idea of spontaneous right action, of doing the right thing, the noble thing, the good thing, the high thing, in the right way at the right time is by paying really close attention to how our thoughts or actions feel in the body and that if we will really tune in and notice, tune in and pay attention we will begin to see those actions that come from the highest the highest within us as contrasted with those actions that seem to come from the lowest. And you see, this idea of karma is about sowing the highest and the best good seeds in our lives, right? The highest and best good thoughts, the highest and best good actions, the highest and best good decisions. Why? Because we know that the quality of what we reap is entirely dependent upon the quality of what we have sown. Entirely dependent upon the quality of what we have sown. As we said a moment ago, we can simply look at what consistently shows up in our lives to have a real good understanding of what it is we are sowing in order for that to consistently show up in our lives and remain in our lives. And so we heighten our awareness. We heighten our consciousness around the activity of the choices that we make so we can choose that higher path. We can choose that higher thought. We can choose that more loving, more forgiving, more noble action as the seed that we're going to plant so that we begin to experience a harvest, if you will, of more of that in our lives. And so Chopra says that one of the ways to really check it is to pay attention to the body. This is what he writes. There is a very interesting mechanism that the universe has to help you make spontaneously correct choices. It, doesn't that sound nice? Spontaneously correct choices. I think one of the pieces of evidence that our practice is taking hold is it becomes, our practice becomes a little less effortful, a little more fluid, we find ourselves a little more quickly and easily in the place of applying the idea, of applying the principle. There's a very interesting mechanism that the universe has to help you make spontaneously correct choices. The mechanism has to do with sensations in your body. Your body experiences two kinds of sensations. One is a sensation of comfort. The other is a sensation of discomfort. At the moment you consciously make a choice, pay attention to your body and ask your body, if I make this choice, what happens? If your body sends a message of comfort, that's the right choice. If your body sends a message of discomfort, then it's not the appropriate choice. But in order to pay attention to our body, what does it mean we have to do? You got it, Robin. We've got to slow down. What else do we have to do besides slowing down? Pay attention. Look within. Notice. And all of that takes a bit of, a really important four-letter word, time. A bit of time, right? The way we break the cycle of negative karma, of automatically reacting In a less than conscious way, we break that by taking time. By challenging ourselves to to put a gap between stimulus and response. That gap between stimulus, something happens out here and I have a response or reaction to it. That gap is a place of tremendous power your power. And nobody can ever take that away from you. You can choose not to exercise it, and to the degree that you and I do not exercise it, to that degree we begin to, not begin, we continue to act like automatons, thinking that we have no choice, when in fact we do. So we open that gap. And in the opening of that gap, We free ourselves to respond differently, to respond not automatically, but to respond consciously, consciously. At the moment you consciously make a choice, pay attention to your body and ask your body, if I make this choice, what happens? If your body sends a message of comfort, that's the right choice. If your body sends a message of discomfort, that's not the appropriate choice. Remember, Deepak started as a medical doctor. That was his training. That was his training. Now he was steeped in Indian teachings and mysticism. His external training, his initial career path, was that of a doctor. He understood, still understands, how the body functions. And as both a doctor and a deeply mystical and spiritual man, he often talked about how these sensations, how this internal communication process would reside or seem to reside either in the solar plexus or in the heart. For some, in the solar plexus is where they would feel that sensation of comfort or discomfort. For others, it might be in the heart. I've always been bothered by those who look at the heart in too much of a mushy, sentimental way. I love love. I love romance. I love all of, all of that aspect of love. But when I'm talking about the heart as a spiritual teacher, I'm not talking about the heart with any feeling of sentimentality. The heart is a powerful biofeedback device, if you will. It's not only essential to our physical body, it's really essential to our spiritual body, to our spiritual growth, our spiritual development. But most people really underutilize the wisdom of the heart because they have this mushy sentimentality sentiment around it. I appreciate what Deepak has written about that. He writes, only the heart knows the correct answer. Most people think the heart is mushy and sentimental, but it's not. The heart is intuitive, it's holistic, it's contextual, it's relational. It doesn't have a win-lose orientation. It taps into the cosmic computer, the field of pure potentiality, pure knowledge, and infinite organizing power, and takes everything into account. At times, it may not even seem rational, but the heart has a computing ability that is far more accurate and far more precise than anything within the limits of our rational thought. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a huge claim. And I think he's absolutely right. He writes about using the law of karma for, for wealth. He says, you can use the law of karma to create money and affluence and the flow of all good things to you anytime you want. But first you must become consciously aware that your future is generated by the choices or you are making every moment of your life. This is why we look at unity, I was about to say as a daily practice, but you know what? It's much more than a daily practice, really, when you get right down to it, Right? What we're talking about is moment-by-moment awareness. Moment-by-moment awareness. And in that moment-by-moment awareness, choosing the high road all the time. Moment-by-moment. You see, when we do moment-by-moment, ask of ourselves, what is the highest that I can do right here, right now? What is the highest thought I can think? What is the highest action I can take? You can be sure that when we ask those questions and we follow the answers, that the harder the solar plexus gives us, we will be planting the kinds of seeds in our life that cannot help but return to us multiplied. Ours is not to look at our neighbor or to look at our enemy And wonder why it seems as if how come not enough bad things are happening to them (laughs) by virtue of the things, the bad things we see them doing. That is the trickiness of the ego. The ego is always looking for a way to get us off the hook of doing our own work. Can we trust enough that if we do our own work, that the universe will take care of the rest, that God's job is really already taken by God. That we don't have to do God's job, but by golly, we've got to do our job. Our job. And that is to look at the seeds that we are planting. And to never give ourselves the excuse that, oh, well, I'm going to stop because it doesn't seem that the harvest is coming fast enough. Or I'm going to stop because I think that that. This person over here is getting away with it, so I'm just going to go with race consciousness here. No. No matter what, we choose the higher path. We choose the higher road. Not for what it looks like to other people, but because of what it does inside of us. For you see, even until the harvest has already happened, when we are living from what we know is highest and best, we will be molding and changing and transforming ourselves from the inside out. And that's worth everything. Let me ask you to think about the last recent time you did something really generously kind and loving when you didn't have to. Maybe it was an act of service. Maybe it was an act of forgiveness. Maybe it was something you gave that you really gave with the purest, of heart. Can you think of the last time you did that? How did that feel? Big smile over here. How did it feel? Tell me. Great. Good. Deeply good. Think about the last time there was an automatic response. Maybe it happened while you were driving in rush hour traffic. Maybe it happened when that sandpaper to your soul person did that thing they always do. And you reacted, or you thought, that lower thought, or had that moment of, I could get even here, or whatever it is that goes on inside of you. Can you think of that time? I've got to trust that we're all still pretty equally human in here that we can think at both ends of the spectrum. How did that feel? Did it feel the same as the other? No, of course not, of course not. For you see, in the long run, no matter what happens externally, you and I absolutely benefit every time we choose to think the higher thought, take the higher road, plant the more loving and kind seed. That's the kind of karma I think that we want to be about. Is it not? Absolutely. So join me in being gentle with yourself, in looking at the seeds that you're planting in your life. And when you notice that there's one that you didn't give a whole lot of thought to, that it was more like a weed thought that you planted, be gentle with yourself, acknowledge yourself for noticing, and trust yourself to make a better decision next time. Namaste.